Welcome and thanks for joining us today on the Abundance Podcast. We'll go ahead and get started in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here and you're welcome with everyone who's listening to this. We just thank you for your word and we thank you for giving us understanding so that we can better understand your word. You are awesome, Lord. Thank you for wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is part two of our series called The Sovereignty of God. So we're just going to dive right into this. If you haven't listened to the first episode of this series on the the sovereignty of God, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, This is actually going to be, a, as of now, a five-part series. We've got some things that we're going to cover as far as examples in the Bible where God's will doesn't always come to pass. Uh, We're going to take a look at Paul's thorn in the flesh, and we're also going to take a look at the book of Job, as well as some other things, but just to kind of give you an idea of what's what's in store. But as of right now, it's a five-part series. So a lot of what I'm going to say may sound like blasphemy, especially if you haven't listened to the first episode. But the purpose of this is to bring about freedom as we move forward with our relationship with God. The purpose is not, as I said in the first part, the purpose of this series is not to debate doctrine. It's not to be argumentative or anything like that. It's just to set us free because... I gave an example of my personal life, how I thought the death of my sister and my dad at ages 8 and 15, I thought that those things were not, I just thought they were, they must be God's will. So, you know, and it led to confusion and why would God, why would God do something like this to me? And so once I got this revelation and this understanding that, you know, these things aren't from God, man, it just, it just help me to better understand God's character and his nature. So I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but let me start off by saying, as we're, we're talking about the sovereignty of God, God is sovereign. He is, but just not in the way a lot of people have been taught. If by sovereign, we use the dictionary definition, then yes, by all means, God is definitely sovereign. Uh, the dictionary definition of sovereign is paramount, supreme, all-knowing, above all, independent, he knows the end from the beginning. All those things, yes, if we're if we're going to say God is sovereign by those definitions, then that is absolutely true, and, and Scripture supports that. However, the Bible does not support what I've been referring to as the extreme sovereignty of God doctrine. So what is the extreme sovereignty of God? And, and here's some of the key f- things that come with that, that doctrine. It says that everything that happens is God's will that all things happen for a reason, that God is allowing everything to happen that happens, that God across the board controls everything. In the new covenant that you and I are in right now, those things do not apply. But again, go back and listen to the first teaching and we'll continue on with some of the things that we covered in the first teaching just to kind of do a little recap. But yeah, but once we start to better understand this sovereignty of God teaching, it'll help us in all aspects of our life. It'll help us understand God's character and his and his nature like I talked about. It'll help us to be able to minister to other people whether they're going through a difficult situation or they're not because we'll be able to to get people's eyes off of trying to blame God and basically putting them on the devil because that's where there's you know it's the devil that does all these things. And we'll we'll kind of talk about that as well later on but so I want to give a couple examples just to kind of get the ball rolling again. This first one, I, I alluded to it in the first part, but I want to get give you this picture of how there's a kid and 
he's always playing out in the street. So his dad has been telling him, hey, stop playing in the street. I'm trying to, I want to protect you. Stop playing in the street. And, And the kid just doesn't listen. So one day kids playing out in the street and the dad calls up the neighbor and says, hey, uh, I've been trying to teach my son a lesson. And so next time you go to work, will you just run my kid over with your car on your way to work so so we can teach him a lesson? <laughs> that example is, is crazy. And, and if that example truly was happening, we'd call child services on that dad. And rightfully so, that dad should go to jail. <laughs> There's no question about it. But this is the picture we paint for someone when we tell them that all things happen for a reason or this bad thing in your life, it was just God's will that your relative died or that or that you're sick or someone you love is sick or, you know, to an extreme. Sometimes we've got to put things in, in extreme examples and situations to really drive home the point. You know, we paint this picture by telling people that like, oh yeah, it, it was God's will that that young girl was raped. You know, that's, that's crazy. God is... <laughs> That's it's sick. You know, God is not doing those things to us. But again, it's not always, but a lot of the time it's well-intentioned believers that are trying to help people who tell them things like this, that it was God's will. And we're trying to help that person deal with the challenge in their life. But all I'm trying to say is, although the heart was in the right place, what we're saying is, is totally inaccurate. And, and even though on the surface, telling someone that it's God's will, at that moment, it can actually bring temporary relief, like I talked about in the first episode, is that can bring temporary relief because you know what, if God, if God wanted this to happen, well, then I just got to trust God. So it can bring temporary relief. But as we talked about, that temporary relief can then turn into confusion, like why in the world would God want my dad to die? Why would he want this girl to be raped? Why would he want this sort of thing? And then the last step is uh, just a flat out hatred for God. I hate God. He wanted this to happen. He put this on me or my family or my loved one. I want nothing to do with God. And it's so it's it's just counterproductive uh, the best way I can say it. So I want to give you another example. So in this example, if you have kids you know, think about your kids. Or if you don't have kids, you know, think about a parent or a spouse or a brother or a sister or something like that. Think about a loved one that you have. Let let me ask you a question. Would you ever choose pain and suffering for your child or for your loved one? And the obvious answer is no. You know, a common phrase that gets said is, if I could take away their pain and put it on me, I would. I would do that anytime. So why would we ever think that the very God who's responsible for creating us cares less about our kids or our loved ones than we do. He literally had his own son killed so that we could go on to experience the goodness that he desires for us, not only in this life, but in the next, in in heaven. So God literally is love. (laughs) But to really drive home this example is like, we would never put sickness and disease on anybody we love. And we would actually be willing to take it so that that person doesn't have to endure it and have to put up with it anymore. But yet, that's not the picture that we paint for others. And God loves us way more than what we could even imagine. And he would never do this. If we would never do that, he would never do that. So here's a simple saying to remember. It's good God, bad devil. <laughs> that I mean, I know that's really elementary, but it, it's it's so good. Good God, bad devil. That's what it really comes down to. 
So let's recap on the scriptures we used in part one to establish that, first off, God is good. Um, and I'm just going to kind of rattle on through them. In the first episode, we kind of went into them a little more in depth, but I'm just going to rattle on, right on through them. John 10.10, 10, the thief. Now, who is the thief? It's Satan. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I, and now it's referring to Jesus, I have come that they may have life and then they may have it more abundantly. John 10, 11 says, I, referring to Jesus, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, as I said, I want to make sure and clarify something with this. This scripture is not attributing the responsibility for temptation to the Lord, but rather the Lord is saying there are limits as to how far he will allow us to be pressured under temptation. Even when we reach this limit, this verse does not promise that the Lord will remove the situation. He provides, God provides a way of escape, but we, you and I, have to take it. And that comes down to a choice. We can rest assured that anyone who yields to temptation either failed to see it or just plain rejected God's way of escape. And I like to think of God like a referee or an umpire. He's not allowing you to be tempted beyond what you are able. James 1, 13-14, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he, referring to you and I, is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, referring to God, leads me beside the still waters. God restores my soul. And it says he there, but I'm going to just use the word God. God leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, it's not, it's not a guess, it's, it's, it's a sure thing. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Acts 10, 38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all. Again, I'm going to go ahead and read back over that. <laughs> Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So who did the oppressing? It was the devil. Who was doing good and healing all? It was Jesus. Hebrews 1 verse 3, and this is referring to Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. So what is this express image of his person? What's that referring to? It's His person is referring to God's character or nature. John 14, 9, to go along with that verse, says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So in this scripture, Jesus was and is the exact representation of the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So 
Where in the Bible do you find Jesus putting sickness and disease on people? You, you don't. So he is the example where to follow. There was a way of doing things in the Old Testament, but now since Jesus come and this and he died and he was resurrected, we're in this new dispensation, this new covenant. He is the representation of how God the Father is towards us now. James 1.7, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, which whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 3 John 1.2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. So out of that, it's God's will that you prosper in all things. So what do we take away from all those scriptures? We take away that God is good. Good God, bad devil. But ultimately, if we thought the bad things we encounter are from God or that he's allowing it to happen, then why would we ever fight back against it? You know, what, if we ever had a headache, why would we ever take a Tylenol if it was from the Lord? Uh, why would we ever go to a hospital? Why would we ever be sad when a loved one died unexpectedly? You know, if it were God's will, we should just be overjoyed with it because it was from him. But no, but that is not true. So again, those are some of the key scriptures we covered in part one. So let's go ahead and move on forward and look at some more verses. If you've been in church very long, chances are you've heard this verse, and it's Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So what we're looking at here is it's talking about curses. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the book of Deuteronomy, where it shows clearly what God considers to be blessings and curses. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 28.1. And if you have your Bible, feel free to just follow along with me as we read. So actually what we have here in chapter 28 is the first 14 verses are all blessings. And then from there on out, verse 15 through 68 are a list of curses. Now we're not going to read every single one, but we're going to read a decent little amount of them because we need to establish what God considers to be blessings and what God considers to be curses. Because there's things in the in the church world that have been said that try to put things that God considers to be curses. The church world tries to say that those things are actually blessings from the Lord. Like, oh, your child died. Well, God, it's actually a blessing. No, it's, it's a curse. And so we're going to see some of that right here. So verse 1, now it shall come to pass if you diligently Obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. That's a good thing. I like blessings overtaking me. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who will rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee from you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, 
just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So that's the key right there. And we're going to, I'm going to kind of go over this a little bit, but he's given all these examples, but he's saying, okay, these blessings are going to overtake you, but here's the, the qualification. You have to follow me and, and things are different now. And we'll get into that. But in this scripture, he says, he lists in all this, these blessings. And then he says, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. So that's what has to happen in order for these blessings. But thank God, Jesus already came and we are already blessed. And we'll talk about that. Verse 10. Then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the prudence of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head of, and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So again, those first 14 verses, those were all blessings. Now we're going to get into the curses. And actually, if you want more, um, I was reading this morning and I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I look at my Bible and I can see the word curse sticking out like a sore thumb. But I mean, Deuteronomy is just a list of all the do's and don'ts. I mean, there was so many rules. There was even rules on going the bathroom. And you can find those in Deuteronomy 23, verses 10 uh, through, I believe it's 14. And it's, it, even rules down to how to go the bathroom. It's, it's So thank God we don't live in that covenant. Now we're going to pick back up in verse 15. And now this is a list of the curses. So back to what I was trying to say. If you go back to 27... 15 through 26 i mean there's just a whole bunch of of more curses available so i mean there's even more than what i'm going to read here but verse 15 says but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the lord so that's the reason why these curses will come if you do not obey the voice of the lord your god to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which i command you today that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. So again, we're looking at what God himself says are blessings and curses. I may have already read this, but we'll pick up in 18. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to, until you are destroyed, and until you perish quickly, because of the wickedness of your doings. So, why is it happening? Because of the wickedness of your doings. Things that we, well, not us, because we, you know, this was Old Covenant. But because of what they did, that's the reason why all these things came upon them, these curses in which you have forsaken me. Verse 21, The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, 
and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish, and your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And so what you're seeing a lot here is just the complete opposite. It talked about how with the blessings that your enemy may come against you, but they'll leave going in seven directions. But in this example, it's saying that we would go out seven directions from our enemies. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Verse 26, your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt. So here's, here's sickness, here's some disease. It's in this curses category. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors and with the scab and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart, and you shall grope at the noonday as a blind man gropes in the darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Well, thank God we got Jesus because he saved us. So just as a little recap, Verse 1, we said, if you, and it, it, it's it's the individual, it's up to the individual. If that individual diligently obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God. So verse 1, and we're not going to go through them all, but just as a couple highlights here. Verse 1 said, it was up to you if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God. So it came down to not God, but it came down to us, what we did. So why is that important? And I've alluded to it a little bit, but in the old covenant, the burden or the responsibility was on you and I. But praise God, in the new covenant, the burden or responsibility was placed on Jesus. And that's in the past tense because he already took care of it. But again, the burden and responsibility was placed on Jesus. Verse 2, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord. It came down to what you and I did. So here's the old covenant. To sum it up, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. It all was performance-based. Your response from God was based on what you did or didn't do. Well, here we are in the new covenant. And the beauty part about it is we don't get what we deserve. It's all grace. God's response to us is no longer based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus already did. Everything has already been accomplished. And you probably said, well, you kind of just already said that. Yes. And if you continue listening on future podcasts, I'm probably going to say it a million more times because the emphasis is on Jesus. The emphasis is on if you want healing in your body, we're not begging and pleading God to heal us. It's It's all about what God has already done. And if that's the first time you've heard that, that might have sounded like Chinese, and, and I understand that. I, I, it's, I'm on a journey. I've been seeking after the Lord for these past eight years. I've got a, I've got somewhat of an understanding of that. But I remember the first time I heard that, I listened to a, a tape, a series called "You've Already Got It," and it just, it blew my mind. I mean, it, it just, wow. You mean, you mean I'm not supposed to beg and plead and try to call a million people and try to bum rush the gates of heaven to get God to move? No, that's not how it works. Faith doesn't move God. (laughs) And I know that sounds like blasphemy. Faith does not move God. Faith moves us. (laughs) Faith is like the conduit between what's already been accomplished uh, by Jesus 
it connects the two. Our faith, anyways, I could get going on that, but I just want you to know it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And you know what? Like I said, if that sounds like Chinese to you, just keep listening. Stay with me here, okay? Don't worry about going from zero to hero. The word of God is, is seed time and harvest. The word of God works like a seed, but the soil is your and my heart. So let's prepare our, let's just be open to it. And let's, let's, I guess I know that some of this may sound like, like I said, it might sound foreign to us, but just come with an open heart. And as this word gets planted down in your heart, it'll start to grow and it'll start to grow and you'll start to gain more understanding. So don't be so concerned with, I've got to have this all figured out right now. Here's a good place to start. <laughs> if you're dealing with something, sickness in your body, we've been talking about how God is good. Here's a good place to start. God loves me too much for this to be in my body. Now, you'll learn in the future as we get on the topics of healing and different things that there's a place for me to speak to the mountain, speak to it just like a person, tell it to leave. Don't tell God about my mountain talk to the mountain and use the authority of the believer that God, because God is the head, G, excuse me, Jesus is the head, we're his body, we're his hands and feet on planet earth, whether it's sickness in our body, sickness in someone else's body, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I had a time where my checkbook was, was out of whack and uh, my finances were out of whack and I literally held my, ch- my checkbook. This may sound crazy, but if God is so good. I literally held my checkbook and I said, checkbook, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to line up with the word of God. Lack, I command you to leave my life right now in Jesus' name. And then 10 minutes later, I opened up my bank account and I had $45 million in it. No, no, I had to learn the principles of God's word. I had to, I had to cooperate with the principles in God's word. And over time, as God continued to work with me where I was at, he never tries to overpower us. He, he, he wants the best for us. And that's what the sovereignty of God teaching, if we think, that's why the sovereignty of God teaching is so important. Because if we think that God is, is all over the place with how he feels about us, he wants to put sickness on us one moment. He, he puts lack in our life to, to try and mess with us because he's trying to teach us something. You know, if we believe that, Man, it, it just so totally affects how we walk in our life and, and, and trusting him. So again, back with my finances, I spoke to it. I commanded it to, to leave and, and it took time and I had to cooperate with the principles in God's word. But back to healing, you know, yes, there are times that we speak directly to the, the mountain and we command it to, to leave. And that's for everybody. It's not for you to go and tell your pastor and try to get him to pray for you. It's something where you can pray for yourself. And yes, there are times where we get two or more to gather with you and to agree with you and not make prayers of unbelief, but have prayers of faith and, and, and agreeing with you. But if we don't have any of any understanding in any of those principles yet, sometimes we can really overcomplicate things in our life. And I just want to make this really simple is you know what? God is a good God and he loves me too much for this to be in my life. And if we just started, if we just pressed into that and started really believing that, man, God loves me so much. I know my body's aching, but God loves me too much for this to be in my body. 
if we just truly, truly believed that and didn't think that God put this in our life or God, you know, whatever the case may be, man, that would do so much for us. And then out of that grateful heart, we just start seeking after God. Man, I just, you know, I know things aren't on the surface. They're not all the way I hope they should be. You know, all the things don't line up with the word, how your word says that you want good for us. Not everything in my life is good, but you know what? God, you are a good God and I'm gonna seek after you. So you know what? You just spend time with him. You pray with him. You get in the Bible. You know, you don't worry about, oh, I'm in the Bible. I only got five minutes or I got three hours. You know, you don't have to, your relationship with God does not have to be in a box. It's personal. It's with you. (laughs) That's so good. So, just continue on this journey with me. I'm growing. I hope that you're growing. I hope we're being discipled, not through my persuasive speech, but I hope we're being discipled by the word of God and we're building each other up. We're in this journey together. But again, back to what we've been talking about here. God's response to us is no longer based on what we do. It's based on what Jesus did. Everything has already been accomplished. It is by grace. It's not by works. We will never do enough to earn anything from God. God has already given it to us. And that is the hurdle. Some some of us are trying to earn, quote unquote, favor from God and, and blessing from God, but God has already poured out his blessing. The moment you became a born again believer, the moment you accepted Jesus, the truth is you are already blessed. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you, Lord. But with all of this that we're covering, what we're trying to show in relation to the sovereignty of God teaching is that not everything God wants to happen, happens. His will does not always come to pass. So we'll look at, like I said, one more example here before we go on and look at a couple more verses. But verse 15 says, chapter 28, verse 15 says, but it shall come to pass if you... So who's the burden on? It's on you and I. Do not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So it's all it's all up to us. But thank God for the new covenant. So we're going to read just a couple more scriptures in Deuteronomy. In chapter 28, verses 45 through 47, that's the couple more we're going to read. So verse 45, it says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. So why? In verse 47, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So everything we just read, God is saying, hey, here's the options. It's life or death, blessing and cursing. And here we go. We'll pick back up. It says, therefore, God loves you so much that not only did he give you the options in this scripture, he's going to give you the answer. And he says, therefore, choose life. And in my own words, I would say, don't choose the curses. (laughs) So he says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord, your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. 
For he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Again, this scripture is showing that not everything God wants to happen automatically happens. He gave us two choices, and it's our choice. He gave us the the option of blessings or curses. And I know some of you may be thinking, well, Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, he gave us the choice of blessing or cursing. I hear what you're saying. I am now blessed. I am already blessed because I've accepted Jesus. But how come there were all these things that God did in that, you know, he poured out his anger and his wrath in the Old Testament? You know, why, why was that? And here's just an oversimplification of this to help us moving forward. First off, as you read the Word of God, you'll start to better understand. You know, one thing I I said in, in episode one was that God's wrath and anger was poured out, but it was never poured out on man. It was poured out on man's sin. Because man chose to do these things, God had no choice but to pour out his, his judgment. Now, thank God Jesus has come. Jesus has already taken all of our judgment and wrath it was put on his body when he was nailed to the cross so again an oversimplification of all the things of the old testament that is i just want you to understand for the for this sake today is that all that judgment in the old testament was always a curse it was never a blessing okay i'm going to say it again all the wrath and judgment that we saw in the old testament that was placed on man's sin It was never a blessing. It was always a curse. So why do bad things happen? Well, I've got a couple of reasons. So the first reason we're going to look at is we simply make bad choices. Sometimes we want to blame everything on the devil, but you know what? Sometimes I think the devil just sits back and says, man, I never thought about that. They, (laughs) they, They decided to do that all by themselves. I didn't even have to nudge them on. You know, sometimes it just comes down to our poor decisions. Now I'm going to give you an example, something like alcohol. You you chose to take a drink. You know, alcohol was something that was, uh, because of my choices, it nearly destroyed my life. Uh, My father didn't drink. I remember one time I was, I've alluded to this and that I actually went a decade without having a license because of the bad decisions I made. I got in trouble nine times for alcohol. I had two DUIs. My first DUI, I I was blacked out and I was driving and I ran into a ditch. I had to be airlifted uh, to the hospital, broken ankle, scars on my forehead, broken ribs. I mean, should have died except for the grace of God. But I got a DUI and that was summer out of high school. Uh, Before I was even through the court systems, I was back up to college, got two MIPs my first weekend of college. And also one of those times should have been another DUI and that's a long story but I also later on down the road my third year of college got another DUI so I and I got in trouble for alcohol a bunch more times nine times total and it's not about just getting in trouble that choice that I made was ruining my life and um, I remember when I went to try and get my license back for the first time um, I was meeting with a counselor. You had to go through these steps and procedures to try and apply to get your license back. And the one lady, she asked me, so so your parents drank or something like that? I was like, no, no, they didn't. And she kind of grilled me a little bit about that because psychology tells us that things like that are because of 
I don't know all the technical terms, but the genes or the, the traits passed on or it was because of that. And and in my situation on this alcohol, my dad didn't drink, you know, so it was just a choice that I made. And so it had nothing to do with, you know, and, and, and you can, you know, not agree with me there, but, you know, and I'm not trying to get into a ditch with all this right now. I'm not trying to teach on this, but that idea actually, uh, it goes against the word and I'm not going to defend that today, but. Anyways, so for me, well, let me stay, say this. I don't believe alcohol is a sin, but for me personally, in the way that the Holy Spirit has instructed me to live, I don't drink alcohol. But again, I don't believe alcohol is a sin. A lot of people out there can drink and it doesn't become an issue. It's not a problem. They can have a couple and, and, and you know, and if that were the case, if alcohol was a sin, then why the heck would Jesus, his first miracle be he turned water into wine? You know, it just, that wasn't Welch's grape juice that they, that he made. It was, it was alcohol, you know, but this example with alcohol I want to give is how we make bad choices and that's why bad things happen. So in the, in the case of alcohol, someone chooses to take a drink. That turned into several drinks. They chose to get in their car and drive. And as a result, they got a DUI. Who knows, maybe just to, to go to an extreme to prove a point. And they got in a car accident and they killed someone either with them or or they killed someone else, another driver. you know. And that was not the devil. It was their choices. It was what they decided to do. In my personal life, God has set me free from the desire for alcohol and drugs and stuff like that. And again, this is not to be the template. I'm just trying to be personable and, and, and share something with you. One time was I was in, in my church, and I don't even remember what the message was that the pastor was talking about, but I remember the Holy Spirit ministered to me personally. Well, I guess I do kind of remember. He, the pastor made reference to Adam and Eve and the fruit in the garden. And I remember specifically that the Holy Spirit said directly to me, He's like, I will give you the desires of your heart if you give up alcohol. And the correlation there was like Adam and Eve, how they weren't supposed to eat the fruit. And so Holy Spirit ministered to me and said, if you if you give up alcohol, I will give you the desires of your heart. And and at that time, <laughs> I was didn't have much money, didn't have a car, didn't have uh, a girlfriend, didn't have... I didn't have a lot of things, okay, but I had Jesus, <laughs> and God was transforming my life, and as a result, it, man, I'm just, my life is so good. I got, actually, I got asked this morning to, uh, in our staff meeting at work, we were asked to say something that we're thankful for, and my response, it, it wasn't to be all spiritual and deep and stuff like that. You know, I could have said, well, I love cookies. You know what I'm saying? I could have said anything like that, or I'm thankful for cookies or something like that. I don't know, or ice cream, but um, my life is just so good. And I'm not saying everything is hunky-dory. I'm saying, you know, there's always stuff, <laughs> but but ultimately, like, God is so good, and I know he's for me. <laughs> he's my God, <laughs> and it doesn't matter what comes my way. He has equipped me to overcome it and doesn't mean I'm not going to have to fight some of the battles that, you know, that come against us. Yeah. But anyways, all I'm trying to say is just God is good. He's for me. So he has just transformed my life. So back to that example with, and now that doesn't mean that I'm, that I have millions and millions of dollars in the bank. That doesn't mean I have, uh, you know, quote unquote, worldly status or anything like that. If you knew some of the things I do for my job or whatever the case may be, 
you know, sometimes we have this idea of almost looking down on some people, but I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't change my, and I'm not just saying this to, to sound, I don't want to say politically correct, but again, to sound spiritual or something like I literally wouldn't change my life with anybody. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Billy Graham and I know he's with the Lord now, but I don't care who it is. I would not change my life, man. God is so good and I know he's for me. I know he's doing the work for me. I know he's got a plan for me. I'm above and I'm I'm not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. All those things that we just listed because, man, God's good. I think uh, you get the point. But anyways, I was saying all that to say God has delivered me from uh, from alcohol. So again, we're talking about we make bad choices And that's one of the reasons why bad things happen. Another example, just to kind of clarify things, would be something like anger. And the example I would give is someone said something or something happened and we chose to take an offense. You know, uh, when we're offended, we don't have to be offended. You know, if you ever watch the the movie Elf, he said, you cotton-headed ninny muggins or something like that. If a little kid came up to us and called us a cotton-headed ninny muggins or you're a a poop head or something like that, I don't know. Not the best example, but if a little kid came up to us and said that, you know what? Sometimes we wouldn't even think twice about it. We'd be like, ha, you know, that's just a little kid being a little kid. But if an adult came up to us or one of our friends and and said even the same, you're a cottonhead and ninny muggins, and said something stupid to us, it's our choice whether we become offended. And just like we chose not to be offended by that kid, we can place value on what someone else says and we can choose or not choose to be offended by what someone says. So with this anger, someone says something to us or something happens, we choose to be offended. And as a result, we become angry. And as a result of that, we punch that person in the face, which ends us in jail for the weekend. But thing is that judge who would be overseeing your case, that judge was on vacation. He doesn't come back until Tuesday. And you're bought so you gotta sit in the cell till Tuesday till the judge is back. And your boss told you if you ever missed another day or if you were late that you'd be fired. So you just, you can't call or nothing. You don't even show up to work on Monday. So now as a result of anger and bad choices you made, you're now fired from a job. Now you can't provide for your family. You can't pay your bills. And, and, you know, it all, and, and the devil had nothing to do with that. You know, that all came down to, and I'm not saying that the devil can't give you a little, um, nudging here and there to try and get you to punch that person or something but what i'm trying to get at is that we chose to do these things they were choices we didn't have to punch that person we chose to do it and so as a result of of all that these things happen so what's another reason why bad things happen the second reason is that yeah it is the devil the enemy is coming against us but I want to point out here, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. We're talking about how God is good. He is not evil. Good God, bad devil. It is not God trying to put things on us or do bad things to us to teach us lessons. Let's let's get that out of the gate. And we have our, I mean, I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but John 10.10 10 says, The thief, and who's the thief? Satan does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Mark 4, 1, excuse me, Mark 4, 17, and the second part of that verse says, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So this is Mark 4 is where it's talking about um, the four different types of soil, how the seed is thrown, and there's four different types of soil where the seed lands and, and, and it grows differently in this and that, or doesn't grow. 
in this situation, I want to show you that the devil, the reason why the devil has come against us is he wants to choke the word. He wants to take away the word from us, the Bible, the, the word that gets placed in our heart. He says, when tribulation and persecution arises, because again, it's not God that puts trials and tribulations on us or persecution. It's the devil and the devil does it. Why does he do it? For the word's sake. He's trying to steal the word from us. The devil wants to get us so distracted by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. And why does he want to do that? Because those things choke the word. And when the word is choked out, it becomes unfruitful. But what's a key reason why the enemy doesn't want us to become fruitful? The devil wants to choke the word because we can get to a point in our relationship with Jesus where it's so bubbling out of us, we know God is so good. And that's not all based on whether things are going good or wrong in our life. We can have that relationship with Jesus that we just know he's for us, he's not against us. And it's it can get to the point where it's just pouring out of us. And as a result, we just can't help but tell people about, and I'm not talking about being all weird and kooky and standing up in Walmart and saying, God loves me, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. I'm saying in just simple ways, and it can be in, in pretty cool, you know, over-the-top ways too, you know, as long as they're led by the Holy Spirit and he's telling you to do it, not just because you had too much coffee that morning. When we're focused on God's goodness, what did that scripture say up here in verse 40, 47 and 28, 47? It's explaining a negative response to it, but what is the key in these things? That we have a choice to serve the Lord, your God, with joy and gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. So we can be so thankful that we can't help but tell other people about it because we genuinely want others to have what we have. So personally, I believe Satan is absolutely fine with us being successful. And I'm not even saying that the achievements and recognition are bad things. You know, they can be good as long as they're viewed in the proper context. God has no problem with achievements or status, quote unquote status, when it's motivated from the right heart. God has no problem with us being promoted at our jobs or being successful in general. And I'm going to give a couple examples because some of you, are, you know, some of us have grown up in some religious teaching and think that it's God's will for us to be in lack and that sort of thing. And so here's a couple examples. Uh, the first one is Solomon. And we're going to pick right up where God tells Solomon to ask whatever he wants. Ask God for what you want to have. And it's in 1 Kings 3. 6 through 13. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Now again, 
God has no problem with us being financially blessed, but what's our motive? Is it to get money? Because you know what? It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. I mean, God has no problem blessing people. I'm blessed. I'm financially blessed. And you know what? God has given me financial blessing so that I can go out and be a blessing for him. You know, he gives it to me so that I can give it to other people and try to help people in need when the Holy Spirit is is guiding me to do that. But I have asked, so we'll pick back up, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And here's the key. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So God gave him riches and honor. You know what? Because Solomon's heart wasn't geared towards this thing. He just wanted to be able to to take care of the people and have wisdom and understanding. And as a result, God gave him riches and honor. Here's another example, and we're going to talk about Abram, or it's actually Abraham, but in this case, he's still Abram. It's in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I, and so it's, it's who's the one doing the blessing here? It's, it's God. He says, To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I, God, will bless those who bless you, and I, God, will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So again, I was emphasizing the word I because God is the one providing the provision. He will bless and make your name great, was what he told Abram. So back to the point. I believe Satan has no problem with us having stuff, quote unquote stuff, or being promoted. Because the temptation is then to start to think, it's all because of me. You know, I'm self-made. It's all because of what I've done. And we stop giving God the glory for even the ability to breathe, even the ability to walk or get around or or have all the things that we have. You know, and, and here's what I want to share is that anyone can run to God when things are bad. That's not difficult at all. <laughs> you know, when you, you don't have any options, you can, it's, it's not difficult to just reach out your hands to God and say, God, help me. I don't know what to do. You know, that's simple then. But when things are really good and we haven't encountered many challenges in our lives, that's when it's really easy to stop pursuing a relationship with Jesus. You know, when things are really going good, there's the potential to start to coast in our relationship with Jesus. Maybe it looks like where we we just don't get in the Word as much or in the, in the Bible is what I'm referring to. We don't recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit as much. We don't recognize that He's with us all the time. We start to get into that self. I'm, I'm self-sufficient, self-motivated, all these things, you know, so on and so forth, so forth. So what's the third reason why bad things happen? So the first thing was we make bad choices. Uh, the second was bad things happen because of the devil. The third thing is that we're going to look at is, you know, we live in a fallen world. And what I mean to that is there are natural things that take place. You know, uh, an example would be, you know, concrete gets poured, you know, 30 years later, there's a big hole in the concrete and you're walking down the road and you're on the sidewalk and you're just not paying attention. You don't look down, you step in that concrete and you twist your ankle and you, whether you just sprain it or break it or whatever the case may be, you're injured. So 
that was not the devil. You know, it, there are just regular things that happen because we live in a fallen world. The devil didn't have it out for you. It wasn't because of a bad choice you made. You know, you were just walking down the road and you just didn't see it. Things in this world break down over time. So the concrete was broken and you just stepped into it. It was just that simple. Uh, what I want to share with you is there isn't a devil under every rock. You know, not everything that happens in this world, we can't always blame the devil. And we don't have to blame ourselves. Sometimes just things in this world happen. In this world, things either decay or they're growing. And you know what? On a spiritual side of things, you and I are either growing or decaying. It's it's never both. So to kind of wrap this up, again, we're, we've been talking about that God is good, that God is not the reason for all the bad things that happen in our life. But one of the things that religion has done is, is that it's come along and tried to tell us that not only are bad things from God, but that the intent of those bad things in our lives is positive. <laughs> An example of that is, you know, where someone gets cancer and then some religious person, and hopefully they mean it from the right heart. Again, as I alluded to earlier, they may be trying to bring about relief to an individual. So they tell them something like, yeah, this cancer is on you because it's God's will and he wants this to happen because he's going to get glory out of it or he's going to teach you something through it or something like that. And what did we just view here? We just read Deuteronomy chapters 28 and we saw two distinct categories of blessing and cursing, okay? Sickness, disease, lack, poverty, all these things, they are not from God they are not a blessing. They are always a curse. So what we've seen through multiple scriptures is that God's true desire for us is always good. It's never evil. And that he has given us the free will to decide whether we want life or death. And I'm going to end on this scripture. And, and if you've been to a high school graduation or, or anything like that, you've probably heard it. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11, And I'm going to read it from the NIV version. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's plans towards you are to give you hope and a future, to bless you. There's nothing positive about a girl being raped or a child being murdered. And there's lots of examples I could use there. Those are not from God. So again, good God, bad devil. And as we continue on in this series, next we're going to talk about how God doesn't violate his word. So again, I hope you stay tuned in this series because the hope is to bring about freedom in our lives, to free up some of the ways that we view God so that, man, we can just receive from him and know that his plan for us is always good. It's never evil. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on the Abundance Podcast.